Can we stand up for a minute, take a stretch? If you don't have a Bible, then this is a chance for you to, just as you're standing up, taking a stretch, no, I'm in it, yeah, but standing up, take a stretch, um, go and grab one and then come back, that's okay, it's very fine to do that. As you're doing that, stretch around, you know, jump up and down, this is the Olympic season, of course, feel athletic, all that sort of stuff. Do that. And now I'm... Um, get myself ready here as well. There we go, take a seat. Did you get a chance to, you know, hopefully you did get a chance to take a little stretch around, that's good. Over the next, um, I think it's about six or seven weeks, we'll be looking at Psalm 119 and um, what will we, well, we'll be reading it just um, in our second reading or in our Old Testament reading. So you'll be glad to know that we're not going to read all of Psalm 119 in one hit. Uh, that would take quite some time. But in, enjoy that. We're not, I'm not going to mention much and teach from it necessarily. But we're just going to read it through. And today, as we'll see, we're focusing on the Word of God and, um, and that at work in us as we, uh, as we believe. So let's, um, let's pray and ask God to help us to do that right now. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, thank you for where we live, the, all the blessings you give us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. But God, you're a God who speaks to us through it. So help us to listen and help us to put Jesus, well, your words, as Jesus said, into practice. And as we do that, we build our house, our lives upon the rock and not upon the sand. So, Lord, um, thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. So it is Olympic season. Uh, my top Olympic, Olympic things that I'm going to watch, I will be watching the 100 metres for sure, no doubt about it, any athletics I'll uh, watch. Um, I don't really like swimming much, don't care about that. I'll watch some of the bizarre events. Wow. Gee, the vitriol that's coming back at me. Well, you know, they, they just swim up and back and up and back. And, oh, man. Hey. No, the runners run around a track. It's much longer. <laughs> okay, all right. So, all right, I love swimming. Okay, is that all right? Gee. Um, <laughs> but I do, I, what I really love is the weightlifting. Oh, these massive, massive women and men <laughs> lifting these. Um, there's, a, uh, oh, there's a really, really very funny... Um, uh, uh, this is probably going to be recorded, so I probably shouldn't say it. But anyway, I'll say it anyway. There's a picture of a... That's right, I'll just take my microphone off for a minute. That's true. Thanks, David. Yep. <laughs> Well, look, if you're an Olympian, what you need to do is you need fuel to continue, don't you? Uh, you need sustenance to keep going, nourishment to compete at the highest level. You need energy, you need strength, you need endurance. And so that's why the organisers of these games of the 31st Olympiad in Rio have installed in the Olympic Village an all-you-can-eat, seven days a week, 24-7 McDonald's. There it is there. It's massive. Nourishment indeed. <laughs> uh, 
In fact, actually, the lead nutritionist on the Australian swimming team um, has called the whole village dining area, and you can see pictures of it, a food court on steroids. It's massive. It's, a big, it's as big as a, a football field, apparently. So here the athletes will find, and hopefully they'll be sensible about it and make wise dietary choices and not have two weeks of Maccas, but they'll find their fuel to continue. They'll to keep going, to compete at the highest level against their opposition. Well, as Paul left Thessalonica, you, might be, you can probably imagine him asking how on earth his work would keep going. How's it going to continue? How will it thrive and survive in the midst of this opposition that they were facing? Remember in chapter 1, let's go back a bit. Remember in chapter 1, Paul wrote of their positive reception of the Word of God. Have a flick back in your Bibles if you want to. Remember, they received the gospel with faith, hope and love. Work produced by faith, labour prompted by love, endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember how the gospel came to them with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Remember that in uh, chapter 1 verse 5. Remember that, that despite the suffering that they endured, they were forced to go to Jason's house and hide out there, eventually forced, Paul Silas and Timothy forced out of Thessalonica. Despite all that, they welcomed the message with joy. They became imitators of the Lord's message as the Lord's message rang out for them. Joe Irvine this morning rang the bell. Did you hear it? Who heard it? This, Michelle heard it. <laughs> he rang the bell. He said, this is what happened with Thessalonica. The gospel rang out across the streets. And it didn't just ring out in a little, small little country town like Robertson. It actually rang out from Archaea to Macedonia. That's the whole of Greece. The gospel rang out from them as they received the word. So this is how they started as they received it. And so they turned from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for Jesus to return, actively waiting for his return. God had drawn them together by the gospel, just as he draws us together here today. It's not by chance that we're here. God has actually put us here. And that is a, that's a, a wonderful thing. A, a great line I read in a book recently is that the church, is that church is not actually something we should do, uh, it's something we get to do. So when you're not here, um, well, you are here, but when we're not here, well, we miss out, don't we? Church is something we get to do. How good is that? That God has drawn us together by God's gospel. So that's how they received the word, right at the start. Chapter 1 tells us all about that. There's a little interlude in chapter 2 about Paul, Silas and Timothy's relationship with the Thessalonians. But in verses 13 to 14... Paul goes on to do, he asks a different question, who he answers a different question, really. Paul, Silas and Timothy had been forced out of Thessalonica. How could Paul have any degree of confidence that these Christians would stick at it? What fuel would they need to be sustained, to continue as they started as chapter 1 described? Well, the answer lies in the effectiveness of the Word of God. These four verses, we're only going to look at four verses this morning. 
these four verses tell us that the word tells us that the word of the Lord which came to them was still at work in them doing God's work that the word of the Lord which came to them was still at work in them doing God's work so then what is the fuel that followers of Jesus today need what is the fuel that we need to continue to keep going especially in times of growing opposition to Jesus and his gospel well if you haven't already I hope you have you've got 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 open in front of you it's on page 1169 of the church bibles there's an outline in your uh, programs as you came in in the bulletin there the, the blue one scribble some notes down if you want to well Paul begins verse 13 by thanking God not only for the way the Thessalonians received the word of God but that this word is at work in them now so that's point one on our outline there the word at work in you verse 13 and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which you heard from us you accepted it not as the word of men but as it actually is the word of God which is at work in you who believe so Paul thanks God that they received and accepted the word of God as it actually is or as it truly is it's the same it's the same word in the Greek actually excuse me that's at the end of chapter 1 verse 9 do you see that uh, that they've turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God it's the, it's the same word so here, here they receive the word of God from the apostles as it truly is as it actually is the word of God not the word of men God is the author God is the author remember when the Harry Potter books came out uh, some of you might be Harry Potter fans I am not does that offend you as well as the swimming um, uh, <laughs> offends Michelle sorry my dear um, when these books came out and then subsequent books came out especially the latter ones and there's one that, went, that came out pretty recently another one um, people went nuts didn't they they, they slept overnight people like these people here they just to get a copy they slept out overnight under the stars whatever they did and then they read it religiously in the next sort of 12 to 24 hours they went mad Harry Potter you see would not be the same if it was not for the the author that's true isn't it JK Rowling it wouldn't be the same say I put out a book called Barry Potter um it may not be as good I imagine what makes these books special is who wrote them what makes her latest book special really is who wrote them it's the author you see this is ground zero when it comes to continuing to follow uh, to follow Jesus accepting and receiving the word of God as it actually is the Bible is not a self-help book it's not a spiritual textbook no it's the word of God God is the author that's what makes it special that's what makes it what it is and the remarkable point Paul makes is the Thessalonians were not receiving the words of men when they heard the apostles message they were receiving the word of God delivered through them let's see how significant this is Paul 
being approved by God and entrusted with the gospel. Remember that from chapter 2, verse 4? Skip up the page if you need to. On the contrary, we speak of men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So Paul is approved by God and trusted with the gospel. The gospel is the message of Jesus Christ crucified, risen and ascended. Says that this gospel or word they preached and which the Thessalonians received is the very words of God. And this message that the apostles preached, a message which they themselves received from the Lord Jesus, was written down by these same apostles. Jesus not only sent these apostles, that's what apostle means, it means sent ones. He not only sent them to preach the gospel, but he sent them to write it down. And so as we open our Bibles today, this is what we read. We read what we, we could call it the apostolic gospel. In the Anglican tradition, when you say the Nicene Creed, you say we believe in the, in the uh, universal church or the Catholic church, it's, the, it's what the word means, and the apostolic gospel. Here it is, in, our, in the word of God. This apostolic gospel preached to the Thessalonians in 53 AD is the same message, the same living word of the living God, which God works in us let me illustrate this this way if you forward on an email to someone you are the one doing the communication but as you forward the message on you are enabling someone to receive firsthand the words of the original sender aren't you that's what you're doing when you're forwarding on an email that's what the Apostle Paul was doing amongst the Thessalonians. And in the same way, that's what faithful gospel preaching does today. As we forward on God's Word in our Bibles, we hear God's voice as it truly is, as it actually is. What an opportunity! How good is that? What a privilege that is. I had a lot of trouble trying to work out some words to describe how good that is. <laughs> I left a blank. <laughs> what a privilege it is. What an opportunity that we have. Well, Paul says that uh, in this same word, uh, which is... Paul says that... Well, I'll start that again. Paul then says it is this same word which is at work in you who believe. So, you can see that it's the, second, it's the final phrase in verse 13. This, this word, this word of God, is at work in you who believe. This same word. In, in, again, it's a, don't want to get all Greek and all that on you regularly, but it's a present tense with an ongoing effect. That's the point of it. So, this word of God... This word is at work in these believers and it continues to work. Imagine someone who's fallen sick for a moment, they've been prescribed antibiotics, they've gone to the doctor, gone to the, uh, the GP and so on, they've got their prescription, they've gone to the chemist, the pharmacy and they've received their medicine, they've taken their medicine, it's received into their body and there well may be immediate beneficial effects, results. However, the medicine, of course, may continue to do its work many hours after it's been received as it fights off infection, 
and restores health. So it is with the Word of God, which actively works and continues to work within the life of the believer to resist sin and bring spiritual health. Now, I take it that's the deep conviction we read a couple of weeks ago from chapter 1, verse 5. See, as they, the Thessalonians, accepted and received the Word, they realized it was from God. They realized it was true and it mattered. It changed their lives. They turned from idols to serve the living and true God and now they wait expectantly for Jesus' return. Friends, this is the power of the Spirit's work. Changed lives through the Word. Now, Paul could have easily written the Spirit at work in them that final phrase in verse 13 he could have easily written that because in Paul's mind it's one of the same thing the two work together hand in hand as Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6 the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and as we have this word dwell in us as Colossians 3 says it works away in us by God's spirit fulfilling God's intended purposes. So chapter 3 of Colossians 16 and 17 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. As the word of Christ dwells in us richly, there is God's purposes as the Word works in us, being worked out. So here's the question for us, the obvious really question, isn't it? Is the Word of God working in you? Are you allowing the Word of God to work in you? And can others see it? Can others see it working in you? because they sure could see it working in the Thessalonians, couldn't they? And Paul thanks God for it. Paul adds a further piece of evidence for the Word of God working in them. We're on point two on the outline. Verse 14 gives us a clue. Look for the family likeness. Now, I've got two older brothers. Uh, they are both tall and thin. I am not. Um, people might wonder where on earth I came from, but let's not go there. Uh, but if you do look closely, I don't know if you guys you know, look like your brothers and sisters and so on, uh, and family, you, some of you do, I know your families and so on. So, you know, um, Dennis's daughters certainly look like each other, don't they? <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's a family resemblance. Now, it's the same... It's the same with God's churches and His Word at work in them. It produces a family likeness. Such churches which are in Christ Jesus imitate the Lord Jesus. So it makes sense then, if God's Word is at work in the believer, making us more like Christ as we imitate Jesus, we spoke about that last week, then it will not be surprising then if we experience what those other churches have experienced who are also in Christ Jesus and who also imitate them and also God's work is at work in them. 
So verse 14. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. So you see how Paul moves rather seamlessly from the word at work in the believer to the world at work against the believer. Do you see that? The word at work in the believer to the world at work against the believer. This further piece of evidence or sign that the word is at work in them is the fact that their current experience is identical to many other believers who are also in Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ. I I hope you're seeing the family resemblance, the family likeness. So the fact that the Thessalonians are, are suffering like these other churches should come as no surprise to them at all because they too imitate Jesus. Opposition to the word of God is normal Christian experience and it's been a pattern for a long time. See, the Jews opposed the word of God spoken through the prophets. They opposed the word of God and they killed the Lord Jesus. They drove the apostles out of Thessalonica as they spoke the word of God. And now as this church imitates Christ, like the other churches who are in Christ, opposition to the word of God continues. Why such opposition to the word as it works in them? Why does the world work against us as the word works in us? Why is that? When we experience the word at work in us, we experience the world at work against us. It happened with the prophets, it happened with Jesus, it happened with the apostles, it happened with the church at Thessalonica. And as the word works in us, it will happen to us. The two go together, Paul says here. It's, it's par for the course as we turn from idols to serve Jesus. It's par for the course as the Lord's message rings out from us. You see, when, when the word of God is preached... We either accept it or we reject it. If it's received by the Spirit of God, God's Word does its work in the believer. And as a consequence, we stand opposed to the world and its desires. We turn away from idols. We don't stand for what the world stands for. And that's not very popular. As verse 15 goes on to say, and 16 as well, if the word is rejected, it'll lead to people rejecting both the message and those who have brought the message. And there are consequences of such choices. Rejection of the word. Look at verse, uh, halfway through verse 15. They displease God, this is the Jews, and are hostile to all men. All men, all people. Uh, in their effort to keep hostile to all people in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. What are the consequences of rejecting God's word? Well, first, it displeases God. It's a personal rejection. If I, if I put my hand out to you and say, I'm not talking to you, <laughs> that's a personal rejection. It's the same with God's word. If I refuse to listen to someone 
same with God's one refusing to listen to God. Second, this is an, an attack not only against God, but do you see that? Do you see that in verse, at the end of verse 15? It's against all people. Rejection of God is serious stuff, but actively working to prevent others from hearing the Gospels, as these Jews were doing in Thessalonica, that is a special evil. It's a description here that we don't read very often in the Bible. Such people heap up their sins to the limit. And God's wrath will come upon such people fully and completely. Those last two words in verse 16, it said that the wrath of God has come upon them at last, fully or completely. We can translate it that way. It's not an easy verse to, to, to understand and get right. But what's for certain here is that it is complete and it is fully the way Paul describes it. In fact, the judgment is so certain in Paul's mind that he speaks of it in the past tense. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Friends, in many, of our, many in our world today actively work against the gospel being heard. That's the truth. Now, whether it's public opposition to, say, scripture in schools, or a media outlets biased towards atheism and secularism as they silence any thought opposed to theirs or refuse to publish any thought opposed to theirs. But even maybe just socially too, as children are forbidden to play with others because they're a churchy family for fear that they might talk about Jesus over there. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13-16 highlights the biblical truth that should come as no surprise for those who are in Christ. Just as the Word works in you, the world works against you. So how will you respond when the Word works in you and the world works against you? Will you shrink back or will you stand firm in the Word of God? Let's take a few minutes just to apply this a little bit more, okay? Some of the things we've been thinking about. Let's uh, take some time to apply this. Chapter 1 told us that the Thessalonian church welcomed the message with joy. It convicted them from the start. They turned from idols to serve the true and living God. They responded to the word in faith, hope and love. But how would they keep going? How are they going to continue with Paul, Silas and Timothy long gone, off to Berea, then off to Corinth. They're so far away. How would they keep going? Well, a faithful ministry of God's Word. That's how they would keep going. The Word of God working in them as they believe. So friends, the very clear message today from God's Word is that if you want to continue following Jesus, standing firm in the gospel, continuing, continue in faith, love and hope, continue to turn from the idols of our world, materialism, acceptance and selfishness, you can keep going, listing them there. If you want to be thoroughly equipped for every good work, that's what 2 Timothy 3 says, the fuel we need... The sustenance we need to keep going and to fight the opposition is the Word of God. Or as Colossians 3 said a few moments ago, the Word of Christ dwelling in us richly, receiving it, accepting it, believing it 
as it truly is. So, let me suggest four ways that the Word of God can work in us as we believe. You ready? Four opportunities we can hear God's Word so it's planted in our lives and it grows and we can continue. All of these you have heard before. Some of you who went to the 8 o'clock service have now heard it before plus another time. Here we go. (laughs) One, read the Bible on your own. Read the Bible. You won't hear the Word of God unless we read God's Word. Read the Bible. Here's my little routine. I'll ask God to help me understand it, help me work out what it's saying, and I'll read it. Now, I don't just do this. I don't go, close my eyes. Oh, right, Daniel in the lion's den. Oh, that's a good story. Let's keep going. Um, <laughs> I don't do that, no. I'll read it through consecutively. So at the moment, I'm, I'm, I'm reading, reading actually through 1 Thessalonians, to be honest, but uh, just for my own sake, read it. Ask God to help you put it into practice and get in the habit of doing it as much as you can. Uh, Chris and I didn't spend a lot of time planning the kids' talk and the um, uh, sermon, but he nailed it. We ought to do it as much as we can, and I love it how the kids keep us accountable. That's, that's going to be interesting this week, won't it? Um, but good, good. We, we ought to read it with our children as well, but read it. Uh, read it with a friend. Let God's Word shape your conversation. Let me give you a challenge. Uh, Get a friend, read the Bible one-on-one with them. Uh, It doesn't have to be every week, great if you can. Grab a coffee together, grab some lunch together, but let the Bible, when you read it, shape the conversation. So grab a friend after church today. Hey, do you want to meet once a month and read the Bible together? That's it. Just do that and it'll shape you and it'll work in you as God's Spirit works in you. So read the passage, talk about it, talk about the passage itself. Spend a bit of time doing that maybe pray as well, and so forth. So if you're struggling to find, if you're thinking, oh, who would I do that with? I don't know, talk to people about it. Come and talk to me about it. I might be able to set you up with someone. Uh, it, it actually is just a wonderful thing. I'm up to number three. All right, first one was just read it, really. Second one, read it with a friend. Third one, read it with a group of friends. Um, <laughs> so we, we call these our small groups and Bible study groups. Um, join one. If you're not in a Bible study group, a small group, make, the, make it a priority to join one. If you don't know which one to join, come and, come and see me, uh, Kiralee, Michelle, we'll help you with the women's ones as well. There's ones that meet on Thursday morning up here, there's ones that meet at different times, some are big, some are small, uh, some meet in different ways, but they all have their Bibles open and all read the Word of God. Uh, encourage each other, care for each other. It's so in, these small groups are so important to us as a church that every first Sunday of every month, the leaders of these small groups meet together, eat some really nice afternoon tea, and we encourage each other and try to do this job better and better. That's how serious we are about serving these groups and helping these groups. It's really, really important. Number four, make the most of the sermon. There you go. I'll say it again. Make the most of the sermon. So have your Bibles open. I'm going to preach from the Word of God every week, all right? Um, and visitors and guests will do the same. If they don't, I'm not going to invite them back. 
Um, I might even stand up in the middle and tell them to go away. Now, they'll always preach from the Word of God. Have your Bibles open, scribble some notes down, whatever, you, whatever it takes to remember what we've been talking about here. Because it's the, this is the voice of God, it's the Word of God. Do anything you can to, in, to hear the Word of God. Talk about it with what you've heard from others after the service. Let's not lose sense, that sense of awe in hearing the Word of God taught and explained. What a privilege it is. And as we hear God's Word handled faithfully, there should, be a, yeah, there should be a sense of awe in this as we hear this voice of God. Okay, final thing I want to say, and it's a word of comfort. It comes right from the end of our passage. As the Word of God works in us, opposition will come. That's a certainty. But the other more powerful certainty is that there is great comfort in knowing that opposition to the Word of God was no surprise to the Lord Jesus. We should find comfort in that God still rules, even over those who actively oppose the gospel. And that one day, those people actually will face the wrath of God. A sobering thought, but the truth of what we're reading God's Word. Let's, let's ask God for His Word to be at work in us. Let's pray. Father, thank You for today. Uh, thank You for your, your goodness to us. Thank You for Your Word. Lord, that, that we pray that it will be at work in us by Your Spirit. We pray that we'll read it, we'll, we'll receive it, we'll, we'll accept it as it really is. And Lord, as we know the Word works in us, we know the world will work against us. So Lord, be with us as we do that. Help us not to shrink back, but help us to stand firm in our Lord Jesus, in His Gospel. Amen.